Thank you so much for a new day, Lord. Thank you for the beauty. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love for us, my God. Thank you that we can come together, Father God, and worship you in the spirit and truth. Father God, thank you that you know everything that we're going through in life, Father God. But how beautiful it is to know, Father, that you are for us and not against us. Father God, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And for that, Jesus, we thank you. We worship you. And today, Father God, we did this time together. We did this time to you, Holy Spirit. This is your place. This is your, your sanctuary, Father God. I pray, Jesus, that you entrance in us, Father God, physically, mentally, and spiritually, Father God, that we would desire more of you and less of us, Father God, so you can increase, so we can decrease, Father God. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give us wisdom and sermon, Father God. And I thank you, Father God, that we can come together and worship you in the spirit and truth. So we give this time to you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Thank you. 
I see the sun of man with eyes of fire burning. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for the promise, God, that if we seek you, we will find you, if we seek you with our whole heart. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that you first loved us, that you call us to yourself. I pray, God, as we open your word today, God, that we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. God, that our hearts would be good soil to receive and that fruit would come forth from our lives. Lord, we would not only be hearers of the word, but that God, that we would be doers. we would be fit for your kingdom, that we would put our hands to the plow, God, and not look back. I thank you, Father, that we can find comfort in you. I thank you, Father, that you give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. I thank you, Father, that you give us the strength to be able to stand love it that your word says after we've done all we know to do then just stand and we thank you Father for the hope that is in Christ and knowing that our hope in Christ will never disappoint us for we look forward to the day God of your return and until that day Father our hearts cry is come Lord Jesus In Jesus' name, amen. Second Timothy is where we're heading this morning. Second Timothy chapter 1 through chapter 
four. <coughs> and then we're going to end somewhere in Romans. I'm not quite sure which chapter we're going to... There's a few chapters in Romans that we're going to go through as well. But whatever we don't get to today, we'll pick up next week. <coughs> So I've been thinking a lot lately about the life of Paul. And how God transformed this man who was in complete, real rebellion, actual rebellion against the message of Christ at first. He was Saul. He had, as we know, an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, which transformed his life. And I love even the fact that the call that was placed on Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles, um, I always find that amazing because here Paul, or Saul at that time, was a really religious man. He was a religious Jew. He would have had no need to associate with Gentiles, or even care for Gentiles. And yet, God calls him, transforms him, and gives him, if you would, the call to go into the Gentiles, to the Gentiles to deliver the message of the good news. That they would come to know Christ. And he went, and he gave his life for that. And when I think of 2 Timothy, in this letter that he wrote to Timothy, some say that this was his last letter before his death. And I think, wow, could you imagine being Timothy receiving this letter? I mean, here's your mentor, here's your spiritual father, if you would. You know. And these are going to be his last words to you. <coughs> and so today, that's where I want to pick up. I want us to hear the last words, if you would, from Paul to Timothy in hopes that it would challenge us to face what we're facing in our generation. Here in 2 Timothy verse 1, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 3. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith. You shared the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that some faith continues strong in you. That is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and and self-discipline. <clears throat> so never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I am in prison for Him. 
the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan from before the beginning of time, to show us His grace through Christ Jesus. And now He has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immorality through immortality through the good news. God chose me to be a preacher and apostle and teacher of this good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. And as you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. <clears throat> and these two names get me. So even these two guys. <laughs> May the Lord show special kindness to Oniphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. So may the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. He's encouraging Timothy, to remain faithful. Faithful to the call. Faithful to what's been entrusted to them. And there's so much that we as believers can look just at, this, at the beginning of this letter to Timothy to, to impact our lives. Verse 8, Never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for Him. Never be ashamed, Timothy. I can only imagine Paul in prison, in chains. Timothy, if, if you would, Timothy's spiritual father, his mentor, the one who has, you know, poured into Timothy, and now Paul, your life in the natural seems to really have no use. You're in prison. Where's your God, Paul? There could be so much, if you would, Questions and, 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 and uncertainty and doubt, maybe in, even in Timothy's heart or mind, or those who knew Paul, those who heard the message that Paul declared, and yet they look at Paul's life like those two men who deserted him. Because what they see and what maybe they were searching for they didn't see it now in Paul's life. Paul's in prison. He's chained up. But Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. And he's encouraging Timothy. Timothy, don't be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me. 
even though I'm in prison for him. The crime or that Paul, if you would, committed was the preaching of the gospel. Preach the gospel. He lived out the gospel. He's in prison because of Christ. Because he's preaching the gospel. He already nailed his passions to the cross. He's already considered himself dead. He is a transformed man now. And he knows his purpose is just to carry the message of Jesus. And that's why he's in prison. He goes on to tell, and tells him, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And we've been talking about that a lot here. That from the beginning, God's plan was already established. It all has to do with Jesus. He's made it plain to us, he says through the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. And I love this phrase here, or this, this what he lays out here. He broke the power of death, and he illuminated the way to life. Through Jesus. This is the truth. This is the good news. This is the gospel. To tell others that there is a way in which we ought to live. There is a way through Christ that we now are to live, because we are now born again. We are no longer who we used to be. We were no, we're no longer the Saul. We are now the Paul. We are not the old man. We're the new man. We, we have a new nature. Amen. And it's because Christ, and all because of Him, what He accomplished. I love when He says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching. You learned from me a pattern shaped by faith. And love that you have for Christ Jesus. In verse 14, through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. How is it guarded? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not of your own. Not of your own doing. But that life, that life that is dependent upon the Holy Spirit, that life that is dependent upon the one whom has been given to us to comfort us, to guide us, the one who, who brings forth the truth and teaches us how to live in this crooked world, a perverse generation. He teaches us and shows us how to live upright lives so that others can see the gospel through our lives, through word and through deed. And others will come to know that there is a way in which we ought to be living, submitted to Christ, He goes on here in chapter 2. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Timothy, our work is not done. I may be here in prison, but Timothy, you've been entrusted with this now. Now go, teach it, and teach it to others, who then will teach it to others, who then will teach it to others, and to others, and to others, and to others. 
that this message of Jesus will go out. The good news, the salvation through Christ Jesus to be able to be reconciled back to God. Timothy, you're entrusted with it. Now go. And as it was with Timothy, so it is for us today. We have been entrusted with the good news. We have been entrusted with the message of hope. To give to a dying world. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Always remember that Jesus Christ, as a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. I am willing, Timothy, to lay down my life. I am willing to do whatever it takes for the message to go forth. The gospel cannot be chained. Timothy, I may be, but what God has established from the beginning is going forth. And God uses, Timothy, you, others, to carry that message. Wow. So don't get entangled, Timothy. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get caught up with the, the, the civilian affairs. Don't miss, Timothy, the prize that is set before you. No, Timothy, be a good soldier. Be like an athlete. Timothy, be like that farmer. He's given these, under, he's given these pictures, if you would, to Timothy, to, to provoke thought of a soldier, of an athlete, of a farmer. Timothy, I may be chained, but the message isn't. Carry it. My hopes is to encourage us that we've been entrusted, you all, with the same message. And we're living in a generation where the message needs to be declared. It is not time for the church to sit back and be silent. No, we must continue to go forth and and to declare the message, no matter what response we receive. And in a way that is is not only by word, but by our deeds as well. We talked about this on Friday night, and and we've talked about it before, that we understand that the the world, if you would, is not not our enemy. We're we're not out to, to... to, to go and, and, and to start screaming matches or fighting with people or reacting in an in a ungodly manner. No, we're to be like Christ who humbled himself who came to serve the lost, to seek and to save them, to, to go forth. He knew their condition. He wasn't surprised by what he encountered, nor should we. We recognize that we were once there. We recognize that we were once just as rebellious as those that are lost. And so we should have compassion for them. And we should be able to serve them. 
We should be able to live our lives before them and not get tainted by them. We shouldn't become like them. No, they're to see a difference in us. We're not to get entangled in their affairs. They should see that, that there's a difference within us that's leading them to Jesus. Because it's, that's all we have for them. We have no other counsel to give them. We have nothing else to, to lay out for them. No, all we have is the message of Jesus. And for that, we will suffer. Because not everybody is going to want to hear that message. The message of love, the message of hope, the message of reconciliation to God, the Creator. Rebellious man, there will be those who will not want to hear it. There will be those who will, who are, who will turn away from it. There will be those who will try to snuff it out. But the message cannot be hindered. The message will go forth. So this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. <coughs> Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of Hymenius and Philetus. They have left the path of truth claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred, and this way they have turned some people away from the faith. These men who turned from the path of truth and began to add things to their message of the truth, and in doing so they perverted the truth, and now others are turning from the faith in Christ because of it. See, there's work to be done, you all. We can't just sit, like I said ago, a minute ago or seconds ago, we can't just sit idly by. No, we are to work. We're to be an approved worker, a good worker. One who is diligent about the service in which we are called into. One who is, recognizes what is up against us, but not afraid of what's up against us. Not giving it the, the credit or, or, or the, the power over us. No, because we're submitted to Christ, we're submitted to his kingdom. If Jesus himself had to suffer, so we will suffer. If he endured people who rejected him, we're going to re endure people who reject his message through us. See, there's work to be done. There's work to be done. We can't be like those who fall away and, and give in to these false gospels, these false teachings, and then begin to promote them in our lives. Not others are seeing that others would start believing, and then they themselves will be turned away from the true message of Christ. No, Timothy, no. Be an approved worker, a good worker. 
But God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. I love this. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth, and perhaps God will change the people's hearts. We're not going to change the hearts of man. God will. But what we have to do, look at that says, gently instruct. We've got to start speaking up, you all. We just can't let the cultural the, the culture and this generation to continue to take the gospel and do whatever they want with the gospel. No, we have to be able to stand up for truth. We have to be able to raise up that standard. And again, not in our own strength, but dependent upon the Holy Spirit, how He has distributed the gifts among us, what He has given us, and how we're to use it. Only He can provide for us. Amen. We must be seeking Him. We must, we must be diligently, you know taking the time to allow those spiritual disciplines to work in our lives. Because if not, we're going to get led astray. We're going to get caught up with every form of teaching that is out there, and we're going to, be, we're going to leave the faith, the true faith. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He's warning Timothy, don't go the ways in which they have gone. He's not, he's not giving Timothy a little kumbaya speech. No, he's laying out and understanding to Timothy. Timothy, guard your heart. Guard what's been entrusted to you. Timothy, fan the flame. Don't stop, Timothy. Don't stop working for the Lord. Don't end up like the others who have wandered off. Stay focused, Timothy. Stay focused. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very they will be sorry, there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. 
They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. time in scripture in which we are told who to stay away from. Religious people. People who claim Christ and yet do not live for Christ. People who are so self-centered and hold a form of religion but deny God's power. See, the lost, they're not holding a form of religion. They're lost. They're holding to what their desires are. We're not called to stay away from them. No, those are, the, those are the ones we're called to. But to the religious, be careful. Be careful of those who, who, who can give you a good sermon, who can know Scripture front and back, and yet their lives don't even reflect Christ. And they're living like the world, and yet calling themselves lovers of God. He says, they're the kind who work their way into homes, into people's homes, and win the confidence of vulnerable women Mm -hmm. who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Mm -hmm. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth, which is interesting. (laughs) These teachers oppose the truth, just as Janice and John were supposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jonas. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. And so my question for us today is, do others know us? How do others see you? Can you be confident, can I be confident, as Paul wrote clearly here to Timothy, certainly, you know how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know what I teach, you know my faith, you know my patience, you know my love, you know my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted. You know my life, Timothy. Oh, that we should be able to live a life that others know whom we belong to. Whom we re- there should be no confusion. There should be no, no misunderstanding when others look at your life. Look at my life. They should know whom we belong to. They should see that what we're calling them to is being lived through us. It just can't be words. It can't just be come to Jesus and then all of a sudden they see is not living for Jesus. That's confusion. That's, 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 what is that? No, because Jesus completed what he came to do. Because of his resurrection, my God, sin and death are defeated. Our lives now are in Christ. 
We have the hope. We have the freedom in Christ. This is our position. We are in Christ. We, we now live differently. We're now acting differently. Are we perfect? No, but we're maturing. And that's what people should be seeing. Us maturing more and more and more to be Christ-like. To get beyond ourselves. To get beyond a life that is just bound with the temporalness of, of life and the darkness of sin. But now to a life that is enlightened with truth and with the eternity and the hope of His, res, of, of his return. A life that is now declaring freedom from what he accomplished. Because what use would it be to carry a message if it's not even active or, or shown or displayed in our lives? Do we truly believe in whom we say we've called upon and who we've given ourselves to? That we, re- that we have received such a great salvation. This hope that is in Christ, you know how I live, Timothy. (laughs) You know how much I've been persecuted, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. I love that. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. All scripture, the word of God, brings forth this understanding. It teaches us corrects us. The Word of God. The Holy Spirit brings the understanding of the written Word so that it can be lived through us. This new life prepares us and equips us to do every good work. All Scripture. (laughs) I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. 
and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the, tr which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look for his appearing. Timothy, the time is coming. The time is now. People will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you, Timothy, but you, the church today, should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid to suffer for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. This letter that is written to Timothy to encourage him, to remain steadfast, to, to realize, Timothy, what you've been entrusted with. Timothy, you can, you can be assured that what you have been taught is the truth. Look at the lives of those who taught it to you. Look how it transformed them. Look how it has carried them. Timothy, as it did for them, it will do for you. But Timothy, you must remain faithful to him and allow his word to bring correction to your life. How does, how does he transform us, you all? The Bible says by changing the way we think. By transforming our minds. We're no longer seeking the things of the temporalness of life. No, now we're seeking Christ. And walking in obedience to Him. I want to share a clip that broke me the other day. And it really fanned the flame, if you would, within me to realize the call. It's not just on my life, but our lives. People are walking away from the faith left and right. And when they used to walk away from it, they did it almost, if you would, silently. But now, people are walking away, and they're declaring that they're walking away. And they're declaring in hopes that the church will change the teaching of Christ. To accept what they now believe is true. What I'm playing for you today is not to incite us to be angry at the gay community. Again, you've heard it said and, and you've read God's word, we're not angry at the lost. We have compassion on any sinner. But this young man lived many years as a Christian rock star, promoting the gospel of Christ, married with children, and he's decided he he's no longer can hold this form, if you would. That the gospel in which he has been preaching is not the real gospel. That he has now come out of the closet as a gay man. And his, his, his mission now is to help the church basically redefine the message of Christ. So I want to play this, and then we're heading to Romans.
due to your faith. Chart popping Christian singer. Tr- Would you live a lie to be true to your faith? Chart-topping Christian singer Trey Pearson struggled with his question for two decades, trying to convince himself he was not gay, even marrying a woman and having children. But just three days ago, he embraced who he really was publicly by coming out and starting a whole new conversation in the Christian community. Please welcome Trey Pearson. want to say welcome to the community. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, on Tuesday, you came out to the world yeah. in a beautiful letter that I read. It was absolutely heartfelt and touching. Um, why did you decide to do it right now? I have uh, slowly been coming out to friends and family for about the last six months. Uh, a little over six months ago, I was able to finally accept who I was and be able to admit to myself that I was gay. And... Uh, it was a really long, difficult journey to be able to get to that point, but I'm very thankful for, for being able to get there. Uh, as he said, I was married and I have two beautiful children, and uh, it's just one of those things that I knew how important it was, what I had gone through and the difficulty I had gone through, to be able to have that transparency to tell other people and hopefully help other people. Why do you think it was hard for you? Was it because of your faith or was it Absolutely. because of your bring, upbringing? Cause, yeah, yeah. So I grew up in a Christian home that, uh, and, and church where I was taught that God hated homosexuality, that I could choose to be straight. And uh, I tried for a really long time. And I don't think I was ever trying to lie to anyone. I think I was trying to convince myself that I could be something that I wasn't. And... Uh, And so I put all my faith into that. And I think, you know, it's scary because a lot of the church continues to teach that this is a choice and they don't realize how damaging it can be in people's lives and how it can affect people's families. And just like it has me, it's something that I've grown very passionate about seeing that change in the church. And we've had to go through a lot of things as a society, as a church. And this is something that I think... You know, as a story like this moves millions of people and people are talking all about it all over the world, a story of hope, a story of restoration, a story of truth. It's uh, scary as hell when you're going through it yourself. It is, but when, when it connects with so many people, there's still people that are teaching these hurtful things and they're the ones that uh, get scared when millions of people connect with it because, and they want to start to say that uh, you're the false teacher, but they never start to think maybe... It's their false teaching that causes the things like this to happen in the first place. Trey, interestingly, my brother's gay. When he came out, it was really hard for my parents in dealing with their faith. Sure. And looking back, my brother says, you know, there's not a moment where you just know you're gay. It takes a while because I don't even think using that word in his own mind was okay because he wasn't okay with it. Absolutely. When do you trace back, though, knowing maybe there's something else here that I'm not honoring? I mean, I definitely know that I've always had attractions other guys since adolescence uh, but they were things that I always felt really horrible horrible about really guilty about and so I always just tried to push them down and I always wanted to know what it was like to fall in love and when you grow up not knowing what it would be like as a straight person to fall in love you assume that your experience is what it should feel like and so you know it's not that I was like trying to uh, hope some miracle would happen by getting married or like somehow I would get changed. I just put all my faith into thinking that's how it was supposed to be. 
and that it would all work when I got married and I could be the kind of man and husband my wife needed me to Magically. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happened. Trey, on that note, I want to ask, because you have two kids, you, you got married, what has your family's reaction to all of this been? They've been unbelievably loving and supportive. Uh, my my wife, Lauren, uh, she has been on this journey with me for a long time. We were married seven and a half years. We were together ten years. And uh, so by the time I came to this point, she already knew how difficult this whole thing had been in the first place. And by the time I was able to tell myself and then tell her, she just hugged me and cried and told me how proud of me she was for being able to be honest with myself. And she has been my biggest supporter, uh, my biggest advocate, uh, her with my oldest sister. And, uh, and even for my family, where it's a thing that obviously they've taught me what they've been taught and what they know. But they also want to understand um, the day that my story came out. My dad was at work and he read it. And uh, he showed up on my porch uh, while I was curled up on the couch. Not sure what people would think, who would be talking about it. And he just uh, knocked on the door. I had no idea he was coming, and he just hugged me for like 10 minutes and just told me how much he loved me. That's really nice. That's, that's, that's very nice. That's very nice. Let me ask you, Trey. I know, do you, still, all, do you still consider yourself a Christian? Are you still Absolutely. in the faith? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm more in love with Jesus and the scriptures than ever. And really? as I've, I, yeah, as I've progressed in my faith and as I've experienced <laughs> this grace, this restoration, this um, being able to embrace truth without being scared of what people that live in fear. Well, what about the like. church? How's the church reacted? There are all kinds of wonderful people in the church. It's changing right now. We've had to go through a lot of things, you know. There's times where we've had to go through what it's like for women's rights, what it's been right, like for uh, black people's rights, for minorities' rights. This happens to be a pressing issue of our time. That's right. But it is changing, and I want to see... I want to see our church change. I want to see my denomination change. I want to see people to be willing to have the conversation in an open way to where they're willing to listen to people's stories. And that's why I think it's so important to tell because there are millions. It's not just me. There are millions of people going through what I'm going through right, right. now. Mm -hmm. I believe that. So, Trey, my question for you is what does life look like now? Are you dating? What's, what's going on yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not dating. I decided when I was going through all of this to... Uh, take at least a year just to get to know myself as a gay person, to know um, Good job. this new part of me. And <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, before I start getting to know who somebody else is in, in that sort of way. Um, and I, you know, I have uh, uh, my ex-wife and my two beautiful kids that uh, we, we share every other week. We hang out every week. We have family dinner together as a family every week. And, and that's where my focus is. My focus is on being who I need to be for them, being healthy for them, and being healthy for myself. That way I can be healthy for other people. I just want to say I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. I felt a little bit of pressure to come out, and it took me a minute. It is still taking my family a minute as well, sure. so I understand the struggle. And stick together, LGBT community will rise. Yeah. Our thanks to Trey Pearson. We'll be right back. sad thing is, is not to mean that he's not up there declaring his homosexuality. The sad thing is that he has sat in churches for years and never heard the truth of God's word. 
never really received it. Maybe he heard the truth, but he didn't receive it because he was still so focused on his struggle and his desires. You see, the truth of God's word transforms our lives. The truth of God's word allows the power of Christ, the power of his resurrection to come forth from our life. I can talk relating to the subject because as a man who grew up his whole life thinking that he was gay and living a gay life and having nothing wrong with being gay. And then when Christ stepped into my life and even that struggle of what is, all, what is this all about? I can still be me. You still love me for me, don't you? And yet Christ working in my life, revealing his word, revealing his truth, it correcting me as we just read. It's allowing me to see that, no, Rob, your life is no longer your own. Lay it down and pick up the life in which Christ has for you. This hope in Christ. His hope is to change the message of Christ. And he's not the only one. Everyone that's out there, and just again, it's just not homosexuality. It's any sin that is living in us, that is demanding its rights, but yet want to cling somehow to the Christian message and say, it's okay. Live however you want, because God understands. And God's okay with it. God is not okay with it. And we see that throughout scriptures. The scripture is not changing in hopes to make mankind feel better about themselves. Go to Romans. Chapter 1, verse 16. Be careful, you all, of the message that's, that's out there. Be careful not to be lured away, you all. It says here, verse 16, for Romans 1, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the Scriptures say, it is through faith that the righteous person has life. He says, Trey says, what he hears is a message of hate. He says what he hears is his struggles are not accepted by the church or by God. To him, how can that be? God loves me and God must accept me for who I am. Because now I have accepted who I am. On the flip side, for my life, I was told my whole life, God hated me. I was told that the sin in which I chose was an abomination to God. And yet, that made me angry at God. I wrestled my young life hating God because He hated me. You created me 
I didn't ask for this, and now you're holding me accountable? What kind of God are you? I don't need you. You hate me, I hate you. And yet, fueled with such hatred towards God, hearing the message that God hated me, it wasn't until in the midst of my brokenness that he steps in, reveals his love for me. And in revealing his love for me, his love revealed to me how right he is to, for, 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 to hold me accountable to my rebellion in which I was living in against him. As with any sin, as with any sin, if we're choosing to sin, and sin is a choice, as so is obedience. It's a choice to surrender. God doesn't force us. It is a choice to sin. It's a choice not to. The Bible says he makes a way out of sin, of every temptation, so that sin will not be birthed. Temptation itself is not sin. It's once you bite into it that sin is birthed. But you don't have to allow sin to be birthed in your life because he makes a way out. But you have to choose to take that way. So here I am surrounded by the love of God. And yet in the midst of being feeling his love, I remember how he hates me. And then I realized, wait a minute. I so get his love and the fullness of it because I know how much he hates sin. And yet he's a just God that he knew and understood my condition, your condition, that he would send his one and only son to save us, to heal us, to free us from that choice of rebellion. And such great love is displayed because he first loves us, yet in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of, of, of us in, uh, being under judgment with his wrath, he steps forth to reveal his love. He's made a way through Jesus that we will not endure his wrath. His love is made known, and how could I have not accept what he was offering? How could you not? How could Trey not? Such great love is being displayed, but when people hear the gospel, when people hear the truth laid out, if they're desperate to hold on to themselves, to their desires, to, to their struggles... That's what will define them. But that doesn't have to define you. Freedom can define your life through Christ Jesus because of his love, because of his great love for you and for me and for Trey. Yet though his wrath is, is established, punishment will come to the wicked, to those who remain rebellious, Yet in the same understanding as that, so is the understanding of his great love that frees you from it. He saves us from himself. And he calls us to himself. What a message of hope. 
I've shared with you all before the time I was studying through the gay doctrine, their theology, and getting so confused by it when I was doing it, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, look what they're giving you a right to. They're giving you a right to yourself, <coughs> to your desires. That's not of me. That's a twisted gospel that does not lead to freedom. And not only that, look at this next portion of Scripture. But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. We read this, or I went to this on Friday night because I was preparing already for Sunday and this was already in my heart. But I want us to see it again. Look what sin does. Look what happens when people choose to continue to rebel against God. And then not just look at people, look at yourself. If we're choosing to remain rebellious towards God, what does sin and rebellion do? It suppresses the truth. It holds back the truth. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth. Look at that. By their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his internal power, or eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew, knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like, and as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise... They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. They are suppressing the truth by their wickedness, by their rebellious lives. Yet God has made himself very clear to mankind, even through creation, and yet, they choose to not worship God. They choose to begin to create God in their image. How they want Him to be. They begin to worship the created instead of the creator. And as we've spoke about it before, and as we spoke about it on Friday night, whenever you see... These false religions on, inc on the increase, right behind it comes perversion. All throughout history, and I use the, the Roman Empire as, as an example, but you can study all throughout history itself. When the civil, civilization collapses, it begins, with these, it begins with false worship. It begins with removing God and begin erecting other gods up. And just as that, you start erecting other gods up, so then the desire of mankind begins to rise up. And now everything is permissible. And it was not how God himself created it. Rebellion is on an increase, you all. 
in our generation. People are, are, are applauding rebellion. People are applauding that this young man thinks and believes he's a Christian. In reality, he has just confessed to the viewing audience, I'm not a Christian. If you look at what we just read in 2 Timothy, he's one that has wandered away from the faith. And now he's teaching another message that is not the faith at all, and he will lead others away. And we're applauding it, as if somehow that is courageous. And how sad. How sad. And so it is with anyone else who chooses to go after their way, chooses to go after their desires, chooses to remain in rebellion towards God. They will begin to erect a God for themselves that would give them the right to themselves. And he goes on. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never have been done, or should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent and proud and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Wow. Wow. God's anger at sin. And did you hear that God turned them over? That's what you want. Have it. That's what you choose. Have it. your choice. You can choose to remain in rebellion or you can choose the freedom in which I have for you in Christ and in Christ alone. And I told you before, I don't make light of people struggling. I don't make light of people's sad stories. We all have them. When is the church going to rise up and begin to be the display of freedom that is found in Christ? 
who is going to be the bold one in Trey's life to love him enough to tell him the truth. Who's going, who's going to be bold enough in our lives to love us enough to tell us the truth? And whose life are you going to be bold enough to love them enough to tell them the truth? Wow. Chapter 2. And we'll end here today. 1 through 16. Actually, we'll, yeah, we'll end here today. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. You have no excuse. Interesting turn now. Here he was, giving this incredible picture, and this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He gives them a clear picture of what is going on outside of the church. But he doesn't write this letter to expose what's going on on the outside of the church. He's writing it to expose what's going on in the inside of the church. So he just laid out this beautiful picture of what rebellion looks like. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourselves. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in His justice will punish anyone who does such things. Unless you think because you're sitting in the church doing the same things, you will not be punished. And that's been a common theme throughout Scripture, even from the Old Testament. Read, read Ezekiel, for instance. Read the Old Testament where God tells them, oh, your lips praise me, but your hearts are far from me. And I'm coming to deal with you. Oh, that one Scripture, I'm coming to tear you apart. Don't be fooled because you're sitting in my temple or you're sitting in my church and doing the very same things that those who are in rebellion towards me, somehow you think you're okay. I know that's what's taught. Careful of the message that you hear and you go towards and believe. Careful that what you hear leads you away and starts giving you the right to yourself, and you're comfortable with that right. Careful. What do we do as Christians when we struggle? Who, and we'll see this next week, who can deliver us from the struggle? Only Christ. Because I know we like to use the other chapter in Romans to stay enslaved to our struggles. Because look, Paul had them too. But then we're missing what Paul is writing. And we'll see that. Because he cries out, who then would save me from this wretchedness within me? Christ Jesus. <laughs> wow, that's the hope. 
And yet we sit in church and we think we're okay to continue the way we're going. And we're so quick to look at everyone else's problems and everyone else's struggle. And we judge them. And yet the very same thing is going on with our heart. And Paul is saying, no, no, I didn't come to expose the lost to you. I've come to expose the lost within the church. You're no different than them. And somehow you think that God is pleased with you? Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended, look at this, to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment would be revealed. Wow. God's Righteous judgment, his wrath. God hates sin. Wow. And yet, in the midst of his wrath, it reveals such great love. And in the midst of such great love being uh, revealed, such great wrath is revealed. And we've talked about it over and over here. You can't have his love without his wrath. You can't have his wrath without his love. They both expose the other. And we hope that we choose his love. Because he doesn't force us to love him. No greater love than this that a man will lay down his life for his friend. And that's what Jesus did for us. And in return, that's what we do for him. Why would I want to hold on to a temporal life that is just based on the temporalness of life that ultimately leads me to death and then to wrath? When God, who is love, (laughs) reveals himself through Jesus by laying his life down for us, being resurrected, then defeats the power of that rebellious nature within us. And offers us such great salvation. Do we understand that? The rebellious nature within us is defeated. That's what his resurrection did. It defeated sin and death. So now we choose. And that's why Paul can write with confidence that those who belong to Christ have nailed their passion to the cross. We've crucified them there. We are born again of a new nature now that is filled with God's Spirit. That's why with boldness he can say if you walk habitually in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not give in to them. You will not give in to the struggle. No, you've realized through Christ those struggles have already been defeated. Through Christ you already have gained the victory. 
And that victory is a true victory, not just a victory just by, oh, look, you know, praise God. And then inside, you're just doing whatever you want. No, it's a, it's a true victory. It's true freedom. For he who, who the Son has set free is free indeed. Freedom. That's why in 1 John, it can be written down for us that it, I, he says, I hope that you will not sin, but if you do, remember Jesus. So it's not, that, it's not that our goal is to sin. No, our goal is obedience. Our goal is to mature and to continue to grow and to become more Christ-like. But if we do, don't remain condemned. Don't remain defeated. Don't remain down. Get up. As he loved you then, he loves you now. Get up. Don't choose his wrath over his love. No, get up. Don't be like these that Paul has written to that says, listen, you're doing the very same thing, but you're sitting in church. Can't you see how kind he is towards you? How patient he is? Can't you see that his kindness is intended for, for you to turn from your sin? Because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep doing, I'm sorry, who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory, honor, and immorality, or immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger on, and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. When the, gent- when the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. And the Jews who do have God's law will be judged by, the, by that law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. For it is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know this, His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrated that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts, either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. God, you all. God. The the truth of, of His Word. Guard what's been entrusted to you. This message of hope, this message of freedom that is in Christ, it can only be found in Christ and in Christ alone. This message that that breaks the chains of addictions, of of perversion, of strongholds, of, 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 of gossiping, of backbiting, and every other form of malicious behavior that these bodies and these and these flesh ridden, rebellious nature wants to to, to get involved with or entangled in, all of that is destroyed by his resurrection. Either we believe it or we don't. Either he's Lord or he's not. Either he is who he says he is 
or he's a liar. And then why are we following him? I would have much more respect for Trey and for others who would just say, I'm gay or I'm this or I'm that and I'm not following Christ anymore than to take the message of Christ and pervert it. People can choose to live however they want to live. They have a right. They have a right. And you can love them just as much as God loves them right where they're at. And, but it doesn't have to change you and your beliefs and who Christ is. Don't go perverting his word to give you the rights to your desires, whatever they may be. Listen, the culture around us is changing quickly. And in that, may, it not, may we not be found changing with it. We must stand on the truth of God's word, for it has been established. And I would ask that you would pray for the churches and the ministries that are in Massachusetts. As of October 1st, they are going to be challenged. The law has already passed there in that state. That they have to allow their bathrooms to be used by whoever in the church buildings. They have to, when they open their church doors and the transgender and the gay activists want to come in to promote their lifestyle. If anything is said to them, the church will be held accountable for hate speech. The church then will be, most likely, the pastor could be arrested. Most likely, that they'll go after the 5013C. Most likely, they'll go after their buildings and their land. And they said that the law stipulates that it's not just the leadership of the ministries or the churches, but it's if a congregant even so looks upon one in a way that demeans them. Coming from the gay lifestyle, there are thousands upon thousands of homosexuals who will let the church do whatever the church... They're not out to cause any problems. They're not out to cause and to push their agendas. But there are gay activists who are out to push their agenda. And they will push the limits of the church in Massachusetts. So I would ask that you all would pray because they will show up for spaghetti dinner. They will show up for services, not to hear, but to cause division. They will show up and they will push this false teaching of this all-inclusive God. And they will look at the church and say, you are preaching hate. You don't know God. And I'm telling you, as of October, it's happening in our land. And you don't hear it on the media, but you can find it. Just go Google the law that has just passed. It's passed. It's already been voted on. And I believe the, 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 the wording that I heard the, the, the government official read says, we've been basically gracious to the churches and ministry, giving them 30 days to comply. Don't get led astray, you all. Don't be angry. 
show mercy, extend grace, show love, but uphold truth. And just like Paul, we may have to suffer for it, but consider it joy. Because this world is not our home. And everything that has been laid out in Scripture is coming to pass. So it's not to incite, again, fear or anger or craziness in the church. No, it should incite for us to fan the flame and to go out there and love. Share. But in doing so, let it be lived. Because that's not missed the picture of what Paul told Timothy. Not only, Timothy, have you received the truth, you've been taught the truth, but those who taught you the truth, Timothy, you know their lives. You've seen that truth of God's Word, of Jesus Christ, transform their lives. They go hand in hand. Our speech goes and our actions should follow. If we're saying we're a Christian... And let's be Christians. And let's live for Christ. And let's shine brightly for Him. Amen? I'm going to play, play, play this last song and then I'll pray for us.
say before I pray that if you find yourself struggling, if you find yourself with areas in your life that you know, well again, I love what scripture said, that the word brings correction, the Holy Spirit brings conviction, and you're finding yourself in a place of maybe feeling ashamed or 
what are people going to think or anything like that? How does a Christian re- expose the struggles that they're facing? And I tell you how. By getting beyond the fear of what man's going to think of you. To be able to expose it. You should be in a healthy place. You should, be, you should have Christians around you who are not setting the bar so high, but yet setting it with humility to receive you. Just as we would anyone that's lost. But to receive your struggles, to hear what you're enduring See, I believe, and you've heard me say this throughout the years, I believe true freedom comes from true transparency. First before God and then before man. Your hope is not that the man, men or women will respond to you graciously. If they do, great. If they don't, it's alright. Because first you've gone to God. God understands right where you're at. And in understanding, He, he gives you uh, the, the wisdom and, and the truth to, to free you from it. Struggle comes from when we place our, our eyes on whatever it is that is luring us. And that's why other Christians should come along. We should be able to share with each other our struggles. And not just pat people down and keep them in their struggles, but point them to Christ. Continue to encourage them in the things of God and spiritual discipline. To, to grow daily. If someone chooses to say, listen, it's no longer a struggle, it's my choice, this is how I want to live, well then so be it. Then they must be turned over. <laughs> then they must not be allowed to be part of the fellowship. But that's different from one who may be struggling, and you don't have to have your struggles in silence to where you're tormenting tormented and then you have to come and put on a mask in front of the church or in front of Christians. No, the Christian life is just to be lived, you all. Again, it's a life that you should be maturing in. It's a life that that should be a doer, not just a hearer of the word. He transforms us by the way by changing the way we think. So if you're not applying it, you will struggle. And you will be tormented. Why would you want that? So I just want to encourage you all that if there's areas in our lives that we can be real with, that we can be transparent with, and when you're coming and you're, and you're being transparent and you're being humbled, first always before God and then before man. And be wise in, in choosing who you're sharing with. But again, mankind is flawed, and if, if you may be hurt in church. There's a lot of people who are suffering because they've been hurt in church. But don't put your hope in man. Your hope is always in God, and He will not hurt you. He accepts you, and He loves you. And in that acceptance and loving you, He frees you from that sin, from that area in your life that is trying to dominate. So I just hope you're encouraged. I hope that you'll be able to encourage others. I hope that you recognize what you have been entrusted with. And in so, grow each and every single day, you all.
and before you can encourage others to, uh, to, to remain disciplined, you yourself have to be. And I believe that's truly what's lacking today in the church, is we're lacking discipline. So Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, just for this opportunity to come together, and, and Father, just open up your word, and I do pray, God, that we would be encouraged this day. God, that we wouldn't be those who, Father, just hold a form, but God, that we would be truly those who are seeking after you with our whole heart. I pray, God, that you would bless us. Father, I pray, God, that you would keep us. I pray, God, that you would just reveal yourself even more to us, God. That we would not settle for the worthless things of this world, but that, God, we would pursue righteousness. For your kingdom and for your glory, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. And, Father, I thank you for the food that we're about to partake. I pray, God, it would strengthen us and nourish us for this day. We pray, God, for those who are not able to be with us here today, wherever they may be. God, we ask, God, that you would just comfort them. God, that you would strengthen them. God, that you would encourage them to keep moving forward, Father, into what you've called them to. In Jesus' name, amen.